Oh, what a tangled web we weave. On this week's episode of Where is the Love, uh, we discuss uh, an issue that's on the front page of newspapers, uh, also close to our household, and one that uh, actually divides the household to a certain degree. We're talking about student loan debt forgiveness. This is Where is the Love. This is Where is the Love? I'm Michael Ware. I'm Melissa Ware. And uh, it's good to be with you. Glad to be with you for another episode of the uh, show. Melissa, it's been, uh, I feel like we shouldn't talk, but I feel like it's becoming a trope that we talk about our travel. We're uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so it, tropey. But it, we have been ships in the night. Yes. And as we've said before on this, uh, on this podcast. Uh, and so it's good to be with you. Uh, we, uh, 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 I got back from really like two weeks of travel, though I was home Honestly, some like nights. Three or four weeks. I don't know, if, man. Yeah, it no, was way yeah, longer yeah, than yeah. that. Um, but uh, uh, we have a full weekend together. We're going to see the Baltimore Orioles. Orioles? Uh, Versus the Red Sox, yeah. Right. Versus the Red, Red Sox, Sox. Yes. yeah. No, it'll be gonna good. We're going to go see it with our friends. Yeah, and uh, Saoirse is going to run the bases. Yes. So Children that'll get be to exciting. Run the that, that's if they make it for the whole whole game. I yeah, think it, that's, that's actually a really good point, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, probably should not tell Saoirse beforehand because she will hold us to it. Yeah, that's right. Um, but uh, but yeah, and then I'm home all week. A miracle, Michael. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. Uh, we have what I think will be an interesting episode. Um, We've talked about this issue of student loan debt cancellation uh, for a long, a while. Yeah. And you know I've sort of vacillated on on it. You have not vacillated. You've had a pretty firm opinion. Uh, But it's back in the news because the White House has signaled this week that they will be taking action. uh, I, I think what is yet to be determined is the scope of the action. Uh, a campaign promise uh, was made or, or, or suggested around uh, $10,000 uh, of, uh, $10, of uh, debt, uh, public uh, federal student loan debt being forgiven. Uh, the NAACP, Senator Elizabeth Warren, uh much of the left wing of the Democratic Party has said that that would be uh, insufficient. Uh, meanwhile, President Biden made news last year uh, by giving a pretty emph- emphatic answer when uh, he was asked at a town hall about forgiving 50000 uh, of student loan debt. And he's been pretty firm that he thinks that would not be the right move. It'll be interesting to see uh, and some of the reporting this week has suggested that th- that high of a number, especially across the board, sort of an across the board uh, debt relief, um, uh, is not on the table. So 
news will trickle out. I think a lot of what we're seeing over the last week are trial balloons being floated uh, so that the White House can kind of get get, get a sense of what the reaction to various approaches would be. Uh, advocacy groups are seeing these trial balloons and responding uh, to try and get uh, what I think is the last, you know, last round of input before uh, before a decision is actually made. We want to break up this episode in two parts. One, to talk about uh, the policy uh, itself uh, and what the White House is considering what the pros and cons of student loan debt relief are generally. Uh, And then we'll talk about the politics of such a move and how the politics will play out. I want to say up front, this is a very complicated issue. uh, And I want to sort of... um, I want to take the burden off of us, Melissa, and and, uh, uh, want to... um, uh, let listeners know, you know, we're, we're going to be discussing this from various angles. We'll include links. Uh, we are not going to get to the bottom of this. I think w- my my uh, sort of expectation is that we'll probably leave leave this episode with more questions than answers. Uh, but we want to talk through some of the dynamics here uh, uh, and. Hopefully it'll be, uh, and we think it'll be helpful uh, to, 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 to you all. Uh, and I think it'll be helpful to, to us as well. Uh, Melissa, before we sort of d- dive in too much, why don't you offer sort of your opening gambit? What has been, <laughs> what has been your sort of approach to, to, to this issue? Oh, well, Michael, I, I think you'll see everybody why where why we kind of diverge almost immediately because when it comes to student loan debt relief, I'm for I'm for total and complete relief of the 1.4 trillion dollars. And I'm for even um more rigorous um policies towards um interest rates, the fact that federal loans should not have interest rates so that we can start to work on this issue from a more medium to long-term perspective because the policy as we're discussing it right now is very short term and so a lot of the arguments you'll hear from people are well, we need to fix the core problems and i completely agree here but for me sometimes short-term policies are in fact good in my view and forgiving all 1.4 trillion i think is a good idea i think that loans have been paused for two years and the government has not imploded um with the lack of a lot of payments. I know some people have still continued to pay. Um, I think that the government gives corporations and other entities all kinds of breaks all the time and no one bats an eye at it. But when it comes to giving individuals breaks like this, I think that's when people start to um, lean on uh, their more uh, (laughs) scarcity-minded Um, aspects of their of their personality, like the argument of, well, I paid off all my loans, so am I going to get a kickback? Or I chose not to go to college, you know, why am why am I not getting a loan? Or, or sorry, um, some free money, like you know, all these other people are. They made bad choices. I made good choices. Or I was responsible. They were not responsible. I think this 
this particular argument preys on that scarcity mindset, just like parental leave does. Like, a, I chose not to have children, so why am I paying for other people's um, you know, leave to go have children when I made that choice consciously not to do that? Um, when you get into policies where it's individuals who benefit, I think it brings out some of the worst arguments in people. Um, and when it comes to uh, su- uh, subsidies or relief or things like that for other entities that are not individuals, organizations, corporations, like I was saying, again, you don't hear much complaining. And so I question that. Um, I think that the relief that it will bring a lot of millennials, a generation that notoriously has been paid low wages for the amount of education we've had to get for a generation that is not saving towards retirement at a time when we when we're not sure if social security will be around when millennials turn 65 i think that student loan debt even if we're talking about this concretely as just a short-term policy we're not trying to fix anything else at this point about why education costs so much why interest rates are the way they are predatory lenders etc etc I think that this is something that actually could lead to something long-term in terms of people being able to either start their own business now or to actually go have children or to actually be saving for retirement with a generation that notoriously is not. It can't even buy houses because the housing market is wild. All right. Uh, okay. Okay. Michael. Let's let's pump let's pump the brakes. You you put out quite a few arguments. Uh, I'm going to ask you about some of them. Uh Let's just, uh, I want to refer to this Jeff Stein report out of the Washington Post. Uh, Jeff reports that the White House uh, is considering uh, uh, income limits for student loan forgiveness. I mean, I think one interesting thing here, right, is uh, we won't get into this aspect of it too much, but it is interesting and I think worth discussing not just for the particular instance, but more broadly, how much this conversation has sort of assumed the fact that uh, executive action is sort of the way to go mm-hmm. here um, uh, without sort of congressional, without legislation. Uh, and, and so so, so that's one, so this is like a stroke of the pen kind of action that's being considered. And that it looks like you know, something like this is going to take place. And uh, from the Stein report, the administration is considering various ways to forgive some student loan debt through executive action. In recent weeks, senior Biden aides have examined limiting the relief to people who earn less than either 125000 or 150000 as individual filers the previous year. Uh, the people said that plan would set the threshold at around 250000 or 300000 for couples who file their taxes jointly. Uh, no final decisions have been made, and the people familiar with the matter stressed that planning was fluid and subject to change. The White House is also weighing exactly how much student debt to eliminate for each borrower. Biden indicated to reporters this week that the amount would be lower than $50,000 per person. Administration officials have also signaled that the White House will cut at least 10000 per qualifying borrower 
embracing a position Biden himself appeared to support in a private meeting with the Congressional Hispanic Caucus. The administration has also discussed limiting forgiveness to undergraduate loans, excluding Mm -hmm. those who had taken out loans for professional degrees in fields such as law and medicine, the people said. Uh, And so, so, so that's... That's the scope. Now, I will say, each line of difference there, mm-hmm. I it's think, pretty big, is is really significant. Yes, is there an income cap? Mm-hmm. Is uh, does it only cover undergraduate loans? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the uh, it, just those. I mean, they sound like tweaks. I mean, they're just a line in an article, but but. Uh, Massive changes to to, to mm-hmm. uh, massive impacts of uh, to the overall policy, um, and I think as we'll talk about in the next segment, sort of the political fallout. Um, look, Melissa, this has been such a vexing issue for me, and I think part of it is um, we would benefit personally, you and I. We mm-hmm. would benefit so profoundly from this, <laughs> so so profoundly. And so, I think my instinct is to sort of check against that personal interest, maybe in a way that is uh, sort of an overreaction. In other words, because I know what a personal benefit it would be, maybe I've been. Uh, sort of too cautious or too sort of, um, uh, uh, too sort of um, sensitive to arguments against. So that so that's one thing for listeners to know and for me to say out loud. I, I think another thing I'd say is, um, I think there are such good arguments against doing this. What are <laughs> uh, they, Michael? Yeah, well, so right, so I think, there's been a debate about whether this would be regressive or progressive. Uh, Brookings report came out arguing that it would be uh, regressive. And the basic argument there is, and this is directly from uh, the Brookings paper, uh, whether measured by income or wealth, student loan borrowers are better off than other Americans and widespread loan forgiveness is regressive. Uh, The report uh, later reads, accounting correctly for both human capital and the effect of subsidies in student lending plans, almost a third of all student debt is owed by the wealthiest 20% of households and only 8% of student loan debt by the bottom 20%. Uh, Across the board, uh, student loan forgiveness is regressive, measured by income, family affluence, educational attainment, and also wealth. So... Um, so I, I, I am a bit concerned, especially at a time when we've let the child tax credit elapse when, uh, uh, we've seen, you know, uh, 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 nutrition programs, uh, a range of programs that more directly, uh, address inequality that more directly address, uh, uh, the poor, uh, um, moving forward with with this action that depending on the scope of it uh, would uh, would uh, really be one of the largest transfers of uh, of funding in American domestic policy history and so I I do think 
there's there's that to uh, to consider. I'm also, you know, Melissa, not sure. So I I agree with you. The uh, there are some real flaws to the uh, the argument. You know that. Uh, well, I you know uh, I. I paid off my student loans, uh, or I, you know, I, I already paid mine off. Why, why, uh, why should you know others be be helped? Isn't that unfair? I think there are some real sort of flaws to to that to that kind of argument. I I am, and again, we're not talking about a specific policy here, so it's possible that. The actual policy that comes out of the White House addresses some of these kinds of concerns. I, I don't know what happens to uh, the future of higher ed, to the future of just sort of a consumers' approach to financial decisions in higher ed and elsewhere if. Uh, if this happens and it's sort of on the table for the future, you know, how does someone, uh, how does a junior in high school now think differently about the student loan debt they're taking on or that they're agreeing to take on if their older sibling um, has significant, if not all of their student loan debt sort of erased by the stroke of, the pen of the president. Uh, what does that do f- to banks? What does that do to the way these uh, uh, institutions of hi- higher ed are thinking about costs and planning for uh, sort sort of on their end? And so I, I I just think the unintended consequences of something like this are just um, uh, a manifold, and and I have not been. Uh, I have not seen sort of satisfactory uh, uh, satisfactory answers uh, there. And so th- those are some of my concerns. I mean, I think um, uh, I-, I think I have concerns about uh, the the idea that this has been so clearly painted as a political move that i'm I'm concerned about sort of the Again, sort of like in a social contract kind of way, like like what what does it what does it do if uh, by the stroke of a pen uh, 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 there is this idea that the White House is essentially paying off young people in advance of the midterms to get sort of political support? Now, of course, policy moves running up to an election for political support is not like a new thing, but sort of a direct transfer of, of money seems to uh, seems to sort of hit that uh, more squarely on the peg than than some other kind of policy moves. So so those are those are some of my concerns. Yeah, I'm I mean, I hear those concerns, of course, and that's why in the beginning I was talking about just there. There are times where I feel like short-term policies are okay, but I mean, the Biden administration, should they come out with an executive order, say in like August or whatever, with the perfect timing again politically, um, there really better be some explanation around what it means, 
that this is a one-time only thing or this is we're instituting this and then in the future you know the interest rates will be you know zero percent with a yearly administration fee so that we can continue to you know nip this issue in the bud or we are going to start going after um predatory lending on the private side because again we're only talking about government loans here and a lot of the problems on the private side as well uh higher education reform with the fact that higher education in the United States is astronomical compared to basically any country around the world um, and where that money goes, especially when you look at universities and the salaries of professors versus the salaries of administration and the athletic department versus the arts department. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I want to see more. I would like to see some proposals for medium to long-term policies here. I don't think that this policy should be left alone, but that doesn't mean that a policy with a box around it with very short-term aims is a bad thing, but you do want a president, an administration, especially if they're doing this by executive order and not with Congress. I want to see some real good thought put into things like that. I also just kind of, this leads in, for me, this leads into a larger discussion here around how we actually think about policy again. And I'm, and I was getting into this a little bit before when we come to, when it comes to, very much social safety net issues because this eventually this kind of looks like it and feels like it in a lot of ways especially when you hear the counter arguments to it and in the sort of short term to long term benefit like i said with like people being able to save up for retirement or start a business or to be able to pay other bills which you know the child tax credit also sort of affects but also i completely agree with you that based on like the stats we see the child tax credit does have more immediate effects for um a larger swath of poor working class people versus obviously this, you know, again, what the Brookings uh, uh, report says that it's the top 20% that is going to more so benefit from this of, uh, of wealth um, is, I don't, I, I, maybe I'm not looking for it. Maybe I'm about to put my foot in my mouth here, but I don't see the same kind of scrutiny here for from a Brookings from a Roosevelt compared to a lot of other government policies in which a lot of money is being thrown around do you know what I mean by that like do we have all this type of scrutiny about PPP loans and who would benefit and who would did it <laughs> so, so I'm talking yeah. about like the whole so, so I think how you're we actually approach this just from like an analysis standpoint of why this why it feels like this or housing like the other stuff like with government based loans other areas in which it's individuals who are involved versus actual entities. Well, Why does this always feel like it's being treated differently? Well, so I think, right, so there's always been historically like um, a lot of scrutiny of how programs oriented to the poor are used. Yes. So, so there's a lot of, there's a That's lot of history there. Like. Um, I think this, one of the strongest arguments you make is like frankly like a relativistic argument yeah. which is to say I know it's problematic, which but. which is to say but but like it's persuasive which is to say there are payouts and payoffs <laughs> being made uh-huh. all daily. of the time think about the the entertainment companies uh-huh. that are given yep. huge breaks just so cities could have the 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 honor the pleasure of them doing business in their i was just in atlanta and atlanta gives profound advantages to media to movie production companies that that uh uh take their business to atlanta 
And like that's like business as usual. We're from Buffalo. There's a huge government payout to build the stadium. A uh, huge government contribution from taxpayers to for, for this for the stadium, uh, the new stadium to be built in Buffalo. And so I think like your strongest argument is like uh, it, it is to say um, uh, uh, why is there so much uh, sort of uh, can't average people basically who have received like uh, who, who have student loan debt sort of get some action as well you know like i, I hate that that's my <laughs> argument but it really is just based on how our government runs and how where money goes um often every day um and the other thing that i also want to say especially with that brookings report is um the top 20 percent of wealth with you know the large who would benefit the most it's funny because in the united states um the top one percent is ex- extremely wealthy but actually when you go down it's actually like not it's not a, it's not like a crazy amount of wealth here and that's why i think you know when you look at the biden administration and the rumors going around of the 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 means test for income is up to three hundred thousand right. dollars for two for a two income household um that's a lot of money but yes. it's also like well into that and i think up to i'm probably down to like 150,000 is into that 20% which is now the middle class and with inflation with the cost of other things um i mean you see people making fun of like the whole the budget of like a $500,000 household and i'm not talking about this here but we're talking about like you know a $100,000 house a $150,000 income household what is what i should this money yeah, yeah, yeah. not a house household um is that when you when you take when you take out the thousand dollar loan payment plus the whatever the rent is, which is skyrocketing in a lot of different places, um, and uh, and the cost of healthcare, uh, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's an interesting uh, to think about the twenty percent to think about the middle class in the United States um, and the swath of it, and then not even to get into um, the the race aspects of this as well. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's also something that, that I also find to be deeply interested in terms of the kind of art the kinds of arguments that we make and which side we end up on based on using uh, statistics like that statistics in that way. Yeah. So, um, th- I think three points I want to make. I know for sure I remember two, and I, I recall that I had a third, and hopefully it'll come back to me <laughs> as I as I go through the, the first three. I mean, when I think about compelling arguments for broad-scale student loan uh, 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 debt forgiveness, um, one, I believe it was Ezra Klein ar- um, uh, argued, and if it was Ezra, we'll, we'll, we'll include it uh, in, in the show notes, um, uh, made the argument that student loan forgiveness uh, uh, f- would would free people up to contribute to the economy and uh, and to make life decisions in ways that would be good for the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so student loan debt forgiveness, um, th- like that, that money is going to go back into the economy it's going to go towards uh uh mortgage payments it's going to go mm-hmm. towards um 
starting uh, new businesses. Starting new businesses. Uh, I, I um, <laughs> President Obama, when he would talk about student loan, uh, student loans. Uh, side note, which is just uh, uh, kind of to our point last week. This is the kind of thing that uh, uh, Barack Obama would say that too many Democrats just just won't now. But when President Obama was arguing around policies to address uh, higher ed and, and student loan student loans in particular, he'd always make note of the fact um, that student loan debt is. A, a leading reason why young people delay marriage. Yeah. And so he said, if you care about family formation, uh, if you care about uh, if you care about uh, 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 young people being in a position where they're uh, where, where they feel like it's responsible to make lifelong uh, commitments in in marriage, then student loan debt should be of concern to you. Um, and so so yeah. So one, I think it. Um, I'm compelled by the idea that it frees people up. Now, I do think that argument has been undermined over the last year or so with inflation. And so I, th- I think mm-hmm. earlier there were arguments, let's do this, it'll inject, uh, it'll inject a lot of uh, sort of um, uh, 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 money that's taken up with student loan debt into the into the broader economy. I think now with inflation concerns, I, I think politically at least, uh, that argument's been undermined. Although we saw with the latest GDP report that GDP is, uh, uh, we had a, we had a bad quarter in terms mm-hmm. of, in terms of, uh, uh, in terms of growth. Um, the, so, so first it, it frees, frees things up. I think second, I, I do think student loans are predatory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're 17 years old. And if you have parents, which we we well know that you and I, parents are a parent, whomever it is that you know, uh, your guardian, like, who has never actually dealt with loans like this before, and how this works, and you've got a kid saying like, "This is my dream school," like, yes, this preys on a whole slew of people who just cannot grasp what this actually means. Well, so right, so there's a kid who says, "This is my dream school." There's also the, the the kid who doesn't know why they're going to school other than the fact that their parents, mm-hmm. their guidance counselors, uh, the entire c- culture around them tells them this is the next logical step. Yes. If you are going to be a successful human being, um, you will be going to you college. And so at 17, you're you're laying that burden on on these students on a child uh, on a child. Um, I also know from so many. Uh, I'll, I'll just say in my personal experience, I was encouraged by a financial advisor who told my mother, who um, is is not a finance is not a banker is not a finance person was told hey um i think it'll really be helpful if uh if michael takes out additional student loans um it'll give him some flexibility later on 
and you know, my I, my mother was like, well, if if that's your advice, this is someone who they're special, they're who knows what they're doing. Um, now, of course, my mother wasn't going to pay off those loans, but it was this will pay off in the end. Well. They are, they're, pay, they're getting, getting paid, paid off by me. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, I think that I've heard much worse scenarios oh, yes. of people uh, sort of being pressured to take on loans, people being pressured to, and, and children. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think that's I mean, the second point. I think, I think that there is, um, maybe I could be convinced to walk back predatory um, though I think it certainly applies in in some cases, but maybe maybe I, I'd want to walk back sort of student loans as being categorically predatory. But th- there there are certainly um, some really difficult dynamics, especially when you consider the culture we've built around higher ed mm-hmm. and the fact that we are telling children the message to children is. This is the logical thing you must do if you are to be successful. Um, even though we're telling them that at a point when uh, when they uh, are, are uh, children who are still under the sort of responsibility, if they're seventeen, of of adults, they're not. So, so I, I think that's that's. Uh, uh, is there anything else you want to say about sort of the about? Maybe what what supports an argument for forgiving student loan debt specifically? I think that there's also something around FAFSA to be said, um, mm. which is sort of how what determines your aid, um, how much you'll have to spend on your own, and therefore you know incur loans. Um, I I have heard this story many times over. I experienced it myself. That the sort of thresholds of when you get certain types of aid versus when they think you can pay on your own. If you're just like a dollar over a threshold, then you're told that like, oh, you can make, you can be paying this much towards your education. Um, and again, that's all by the government. And this is, and a lot of this is towards um, what kind of federal help you'll get. And not just like grants, but also federal subsidized or unsubsidized loans. That one way you know, before you even try to go after the actual cost of these universities is to look at, to, you know, hire all these Brookings and Roosevelt experts and actually say, should our thresholds be different? Um, should we be giving out more grants so that there fewer loans will be needed? Yeah. But then again, like my, in the end... It, it also, right, it's based, so FAFSA is based on the idea that your parents will contribute yes. to paying off your loans. Yes, which... Um, <laughs> Which, yes, which not everybody no. has that luxury, Michael. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, which is just, it's, it's an assumption that is a bad assumption. And when it comes to policy, if you continue to see bad assumptions, then maybe we should be relooking at the policy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I, I will say, so too, too complicated. So, so to argue back against sure. sort of doing this, um, we already have an income-based repayment plan. There's two of them. Uh, no, no, yeah. but I, I just mean I just mean we have there there are programs in place that if you are not earning, yes, uh, um, uh, basically if you're if you're I mean one way to think of it is if your degree hasn't paid off mm-hmm. to sort of pay for itself, yes, 
there are income-based repayment plans that um, that if you uh, that you can only pay a certain percentage of your income, and yep. if you do that for long enough, the the loan is forgiven. Yes. And so, like you know, I think. Uh, I, I think now that that program isn't perfect. It could be made more accessible. Oh my goodness, but, I have some ideas. But, um, but I mean, one thing is like, why isn't it automatic? But th- th- that's a whole <laughs> other like, why? Like, and also, uh, but but you know, like that, that's a whole other discussion. But I do think like the fact the program exists um, uh, seems to. Um, seems to suggest well well again like isn't there something more more tailored we could be doing and i'll add sort of the 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 public service forgiveness program is a is a piece of like you know i i do think that there's um i think there are good arguments against uh, i think there are like colloquial arguments that do just kind of make sense and we'll get to this in the next segment about politics but i think even substantively i think the value to the public to taxpayers that derive from some degrees is different than the value that derives from other degrees Mm -hmm. and i think the people go into higher ed with different purposes Mm -hmm. of uh of what they're gonna, what they're actually going for. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I think again, just sort of like anecdotally, we know people who went to higher ed to pursue a line of work because they were gonna that they had in mind what profession they wanted to have and mm-hmm. how they wanted to uh, 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 support their families, maybe serve some conception of the common good. And then we know people who went to school because it was a great opportunity to party and and it was a recreational you know yes. opportunity. And so I'm I'm troubled by the idea that uh, that that uh, sort of policy action here. People go to people in, uh, take on student loan debt for for such a wide variety of reasons and from such a, a wide variety of, of sort of circumstances uh, that. Uh, sort of uh, a sweeping sort of executive policy. I, I think I have some concerns about it. On the other hand, Melissa, um, and I think this is this is sort of a problem on the other side, which is, uh, and maybe this will lead us towards the next segment. Though I do want you to comment on the policy piece of this, uh, which is, I think the Biden White House now finds itself in a place where they're getting significant pressure from the left including not just sort of AOC, but Senator Schumer and Senator Warren have been pressing on this. The NAACP is very actively sort of pressing uh, uh, on the Biden administration. I think I saw someone from the NAACP was quoted as saying um, uh, uh, anything less than uh, 50,000, you know, is is sort of a non-starter. And so... So facing significant pressure from the left, now there's this, well, not just now, there's been this expectation that's been building and obviously hit something of a crescendo this week because of what the White House itself has put out, that there's going to be some sort of action here. But, but you know, midterms are coming up. You worry, you know, are they going to try and take action 
but also mitigate some of the political fallout by putting in various kinds of means testing mm -hmm. and various kinds of restrictions that, that, yes, may round out the message, but in the actual sort of uh, uh, administration of the program actually causes new and different harms. Yes. And I've been so, about this too. so, you know, like we talked about with the child tax credit, uh, 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 sort of conversations around means testing there and how the program uh, was administered meant that uh, there were cases, a lot of cases, where uh, the, the exact person you would want to benefit from the program had some, had hurdles towards accessing it. I could imagine, you know, income cutoffs are difficult with student loan yes. debt relief because yes. uh, if if you're not sort of um, if you're counting all student loan debt, including that which has been accrued in the last two three years, mm -hmm. well, yeah, people who have accrued student loan debt over the last two three years are going to be making lower income uh, typically than those yeah. whose student loan debt was accrued a decade ago. Uh, and yet, situationally, uh, they could be on the exact same trajectory. Or the, the person who just accrued their, their student loan debt two, three years ago could be on track to be much better off even without student loan debt cancellation than the person who accrued their debt a decade ago. And so so I think means testing is 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 kinda is 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 kinda is kinda tricky here. Uh and so yeah, I, I think my main sort of struggle, Melissa, is uh, I don't have a whole lot of confidence that we know where all of the fallout of uh, an executive action to relieve student loan debt, where that would lead. Some of that is because we don't know exactly what the policy the Biden White House will pursue will be. Yeah. But I think I'm having a hard time imagining a policy that would like sort of um, be so well tailored to mitigate or, or to eliminate for sure my concerns about unintended consequences. Uh, and so so th that's my concern. Uh, on the other side, though, is uh, the, the fact that I do think that there's a there's a there's a real problem to alleviate here. I think student loan debt is a major burden mm -hmm. for all kinds of people. And even if uh, a more significant portion of student loan debt is held by a uh, higher income quartile, that doesn't eliminate the fact that uh, that uh, people in lower income are, are dealing with student loan debt, and it's mm -hmm. it's it's preventing mobility, it's it's uh, limiting their ability to pursue new opportunities that might uh, help them to to get a better life for themselves. And so I'm I'm just I'm so torn on this whole debate. <laughs> you really are. You're tied <laughs> up in knots here, Rob. I'm just like, yeah, forget all, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that a lot of times when it comes to like stuff in which, again, like I was saying, kind of looks like social safety net type policies, uh, 
again, even if some people benefit, you know, who won't have as great of a benefit in terms of like, again, wealthy, wealthier households, you know, will probably very much enjoy having a button, some debt forgiven, but you know, won't have as like huge of an impact on it as, as like a working class household who has as much more, maybe less, whatever the sort of impact doesn't mean that you don't do the policy like that kind of like that argument just does not stand with me. Um, I, uh, I think that, you know, the arguments around like, well, there are other policies in which there would be a greater benefit we think. And in a, you know, even in a shorter term, again, like the child tax credit. And I'm the type of person who says, well, why don't we have all the policies? Why do we only have to have one? Um, I beg that question. And then the third thing I want to say is, I uh, I had a sudden flashback of memory when you talked about the public service uh, loan forgiveness program. We were at the signing of it with with um, with Senator we were. Ted, with Senator Ted Kennedy. It brought we back were. a good memory. Yes, I think we were. Uh, there was a photo of us in the there hill. Is a, there is a photo of us uh, with him. Yeah, after yeah. He signed it. The Serve Act, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it was the yeah. signing of the Serve Act. Yeah. Good times. Oh, wow. Good times. Good times. We were uh, babies. I think we, I was like 18. I yeah. I was a freshman. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was really early on. Um, all right. I think that pushes us um, to the political conversation. Yes. And uh, obviously the, 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 the policy conversation has something to do with the political conversation. Absolutely. But also the political conversation... Very uh, much is affecting the policy. Is, is different. So uh, we'll take a quick break. When we get back, uh, we'll talk about the politics of uh, potential Biden executive action around student loan debt forgiveness. This is Where is the Love? This is Where's the Love. I'm Michael Ware, and we're back uh, to talk about the politics of this Biden action, this potential Biden action around student loan debt forgiveness. And Melissa, I do have clearer thoughts here. Okay. Uh, well, noting, you know, so so I, I think one of the X factors here, or one of like the is... To what extent um, parents mm-hmm. are invested in this, and what benef- what political benefit um, this would give Biden, not just from young student debt holders, but from the parents of student debt holders, many of whom. Uh, the, the loans are in are, are in their name Co-sign, and are and are, are 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 sort of on the hook for these as well. Yep. Um, so so that that's an interesting factor that gives me a bit of hesitancy to say what I'm about to say. But let, let me just give my sort of take, which is whatever the policy sort of benefits, uh, uh, whatever the policy analysis is here. Uh, if Biden does this. Like, he's going to get creamed by the right <laughs> if he does this. Uh, 
if they are too overweening in terms of trying to means test the heck out of this, And they end up with some sort of forgiveness executive order that uh, disappoints and sort of doesn't serve huge swaths of young people. Um, uh, I think this will be a political disaster. Because I I think if they're going to do this, uh, I, I think it has to be across the board. Basically, um, I I am open to, you know, I think just limiting it to undergrad is is interesting because, you know, those with graduate degrees have undergraduate uh, student student loans. Now, I think there are some, you know, which get paid off first, etc. But I, I think there, but I am. I would be really worried about some kind of policy that is um, has so many provisions in it that people don't know whether they're uh, whether whether they can apply for it or not, or whether it applies to their loads or not. Uh, I think confu- uh, confused sort of policy is not the way to go here. The second thing I'd say um, is the more means tested this is, the 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 more sort of creative they get on the policy end, um, the more Republicans, in a politically smart way, I think, will absolutely grievance the heck out of this. <laughs> so right, uh-huh. uh, I could totally see a scenario playing out where right the the narrative leading up to this is. You know, uh, B- Biden is going to motivate young voters to vote Democrat and uh, Democratic in the midterms by forgiving student loan debt. But if the policy um, provides space for resentment and grievance among swing young voters or even Democratic young voters, I could see Republicans exploiting that to great effect. Mm-hmm. Imagine telling, and, and right, this is one of those things where uh, young voters are expected to go Democratic when they when they show up. Now, the numbers are a little more complicated than that, but but in general, young voters preference, uh, preference uh, prefer Democrats. So Republicans are playing on sort of Democrats' turf here. Like, like, uh, to a certain extent, any young voters that Republicans could peel off or sort of turn against the Democratic Party, that's like a that's like a huge win. Meanwhile, Biden with this policy is again generally um, a sort of sort of uh, on balance is trying to motivate voters who should be voting for him or would be voting for uh, sort of Democrats generally, and so so I I just. Um, I could see this not being the political win oh, that yeah, that too. Democrats and that the Biden White House is hoping it will be, um, uh, and I could see Republicans not just neutralizing the benefit, but if Democrats aren't careful with how this policy is rolled out and who it benefits and who's left out, I could see Republicans actually making this a huge 
calling card in the midterms. Um, what do you think about the politics of, of, of this issue? I mean, for me, the whole let's go whole hog here is strengthened by the by the politics here because I'm I I'm of the opinion that the Republicans, even if it's a ten thousand dollar loan forgiveness, who they're going to go after in terms of mobilization is Gen X and and um, the boomer generation, the people who, if they had taken out loans, have already paid them off most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who didn't have that kind of burden, so therefore don't really know what it feels like. Yeah. Um, and I think that they're going to go after them anyway. So I'm like, well, why not go whole hog? Because they're going to have to do you anyways. <laughs> like that sounds like a no. That yeah. That sounds like very um, shrewd of me, and it, it is. I mean, um, and the other thing is that. Um, here, you know, with like the whole like, well, Biden is attracting people who would be voting for him anyways. This is, I mean, please tell me if I'm wrong. This is all about turnout. Yes. And yes. we know that millennials are going to be starting to turn out. And again, tell me if I'm wrong. By conventional wisdom that the old, generally as you get older, voter turnout uh, increases. And so millennials are getting older. They're up to, what, 42 years old now? Um, and so... We used to be sort of lower turnout, and now our turnout is getting higher, I think, based on the last couple of elections. It's Gen Z that they should be more worried about in terms – because young people turnout is notoriously low usually, and this might help get a few more Gen Z voters out there. Yes? Yes. That's what yeah, this yeah. is and well, Well, and obviously – Gen Z and millennials account for a larger portion yes. of the overall electorate the more yes. time time goes on. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That is well. Thank you for for that uh for that extra clarification. Um so so those are my two immediate reactions just just to what you're saying here. Um <clears throat> And I guess the thing is is if I'm thinking about this from like the White House perspective with the idea that again we have the conventional wisdom that the Democrats will lose um, the House and possibly the Senate um, with the idea that there's no way, especially if that happens, there's no way congressionally we're going to be pushing this through. So therefore, that's why the executive order continues to make sense here. Um, and the idea that we're going to lose anyways, you know, let's push some policies through here that benefit Democrats. Like, I'm, again, I'm just talking about this from a very shrewd, very like completely like shrewd politics oriented perspective here i'm not talking about this through like yes. an ethical or moral perspective here so let me give you an even more cynical shrewd <laughs> yes, political cynical. take that's that's the word let me give you an even more cynical Please. shrewd political Please take uh republicans have introduced a bill that would uh, in the senate that would prevent president biden from taking this action of, lol of course they know uh that it won't pass yes sure uh You know, the the most cynical, shrewd thing would be to wait for Republicans to take Congress. And then this is an executive action that Biden could take on his own with a Republican Congress and dare Republicans to overturn it, as opposed to doing it now when Republicans don't have any responsibility. If the American people don't like the move, Republicans will reap all of the political benefit right. because they can say, look, we couldn't we couldn't stop it. This is why you need to give us control of Congress so that we could check this president who's, you know, uh, uh, making one of the largest 
sort of uh, tr- uh, who, who initiated uh, one of the largest transfer programs with the stroke of his pen. Um, you know, if Biden waited until after the midterms, then the political responsibility is a bit more distributed. Um, and, and that's that's a very diplomatic way of of, of, of describing a more a more baby. cynical shrewd shrewd move. So what you just said sort of sort of brought that to sort of brought that to mind, which is and, and he, he so just to, just to walk just to sort of move more into the slightly less cynical space, <laughs> which is to say. Um, look, if I'm the left, if, 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 if I'm the left, if I'm, uh, this has been one of the principal policy actions championed by Elizabeth Warren, by AOC. Do I really want the perception of whether it was politically smart or not to for this to take place? Do I really want uh, that to hang on a midterm election that isn't looking great for Democrats? Now, right? Like some, maybe you say, well, this is the thing that's going to save the midterm elections for Democrats. Mm. I don't know many people who who seriously think that. Um, We haven't done an episode on midterm elections um, you know, they're still, uh, uh, you know, six months, uh, six months away. Uh, so I guess things could change. I mean, spoiler alert in advance of an episode we do on the midterm elections, things aren't looking great for Democrats. <laughs> and so, and so it is an interesting thing to consider. This is, they didn't get build back better. Mm-hmm. There, there wasn't sort of a, like a lot of the major progressive policy moves that the left wanted to hang their hat on, uh, the left wing of the Democratic Party, not the left generally, the left wing of the Democratic Party wanted to hang their hat on, didn't get done. If Biden does this, there, especially if he does it, if he doesn't do it at 10,000, but he does something that that Elizabeth Warren is able to get sort of full full scale like behind, the AOC is able to give sort of um, full-throated support of, um, like the, the wisdom of, the political wisdom of that move is, is going to be judged based on the outcome of the midterm election, which again isn't looking good. So, so I, I do think mm-hmm. that's part of the politics of this. And I, I actually... I, I hadn't thought that before we started recording. I hadn't thought of that dynamic before we started recording, and I haven't seen that discussed anywhere. But I, I, I think it should. I think it should be discussed. That's what I'm here for—to just inspire political. You thoughts, do. Man. You, you're, you're my muse. <laughs> uh, any, any closing thoughts on the on the politics of of of, of this move? I don't envy the administration here. I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> On the specific one. Yeah. No. I mean, it's um, it, it is like I do think the politics would be so different, you know, fifteen, twenty years ago mm-hmm. when hot 
the college education wasn't such an indicator of the partisan divide. Right. Mm-hmm. But now, whether you have a college, especially a graduate degree, is is such a um, a leading indicator of whether you're a Democrat or not. And so this does this move does have the potential to sort of strike at you know some some of some some really dynamic tender uh, divides in 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 our politics so it, it's going to be interesting to see what approach the biden white house makes uh, here's one thing i'd say when you're in the white house uh there are some people uh well so right so there are some people who uh, can think about the politics of the issue. There are others who like to think just about the policy. When you're in the White House, you're responsible for both. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're responsible for getting the policy right, and you're responsible for the way a particular policy action, the way that sort of the politics of that action will affect the rest of your agenda, will affect the country, will affect elections like that's all properly within the responsibility of the white house and so um they don't have the luxury of uh sort of um thinking about the best policy in a vacuum or um uh, you know the politics of this is uh, like the policy is not hypothetical to them like they're the ones who have to make a decision even for many in congress who are com- who are commenting on this they know that it's all about Biden's actions, so it is to a significant, uh, you know, extent hypothetical to them. Absolutely. Um, and so they can pass that baton. They and can complain about it. Exactly. And so, um, to your point, I don't envy the Biden White House um, uh, uh, from uh, many in in many ways, um, except for the fact that. The decision they make will impact potentially millions and millions of Americans. And that's why you run for office. And that's why uh, you take a lower salary to work at the White House so that you are you are uh, you are uh, speaking directly into and that that the decision is is on your plate at the end of the day. Um, And so uh, the the path they uh, choose here will have like on anything else the White House deals with, will have real uh, implications, real impact uh, uh, on uh, sectors of American life and on individuals and families. Uh, And so we'll uh, obviously uh, keep track. We'll revisit this conversation uh, as the Biden White House announces uh, the the direction they choose to take here. Melissa, it was fun. We haven't done an episode really like this. I, I think the only comparable uh, episode would be the one we did on Ukraine, where we did sort of a deep dive into an issue, yeah. um, and uh, I enjoyed it. It was it was good to uh, to bring sort of the conversations that we have around the dinner table and sort of when we're hanging out. Uh, it was it was fun to sort of sort of have the conversation with a mic. Uh, a mic between us. <laughs> Hope it was beneficial uh, for listeners. If it was, leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, uh, and uh, do 
visit reclaiminghope.substack.com. Uh, become a subscriber, support the work of this podcast, of the newsletter. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, Melissa, any, any closing words? Uh, no. <laughs> Had to think about it. Folks. No, no thoughts, just vibes. Yeah, just vibes. Folks, you've been listening to Where is the Love. Uh, uh, thank you for listening to this episode. We'll be back with you next week. Until then. Bye. Talk politics to me, baby.